You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I want to remind everyone that today's show is brought to you by Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar out there for my money. And I do mean for my money as I am someone who buys the product themselves. So let's get into, there's some minor happenings um, right now in terms of the overall, are we going to have baseball? Are we not going to have baseball? Uh, I found it very disconcerting that, you know, there's a group of owners who don't even want to have a season, that they are so out there about, like, uh, possible money lost, that they're just content, not realizing, like, if baseball doesn't play this year, and I said this on Twitter, it's like, if everyone else comes back and baseball gets in this this snippy fit that they're having with each other, uh, it's going to be worse than the 94 strike. Uh, it, there's just no way around it. This is going to really hurt the game. People are clamoring for anything sports related. The draft is going to get huge ratings in a couple of days here. Uh, and by a couple of days, it's you know June 10th, in case you were curious. And if they don't get their acts together and we don't get some form of baseball, it's, it's going to be a huge loss. I mean, people are already, people who love baseball are just sickened by what's going on with the, the everything in public. You know, the fact that during this time of, you know, a global pandemic, that baseball is using this opportunity to cut minor league players, cut minor league teams, which just seems, I will stand by, extremely short-sighted. How many people out there, like, their first experience of baseball is a minor league team? You know, you grow up liking a team near you. It's why, to this day, Buffalo has such a strong Indians fan base and why, I mean, when I went to school, I graduated from Ohio State in 04. A lot of people I knew from the Columbus area were still Yankees fans because the Clippers have been a Yankees team. Like that helps build fan bases in areas where it may not be normally, and that's that's valuable. And um, you know, Mike Hattery, uh, at uh, just type his name, you'll find it in Twitter. I, I always enjoy his work. Uh, I've known him for years. He's much smarter than me, so follow him. You know, he had a great thing about. Um, growing up and being a bat boy and maybe Binghamton. I know he's from upstate New York and that that's a team that could be gone now. And like, that's what connected him with baseball. And so many people I know in Akron, it's like, okay, outside of baseball, what do I do? I'm a special education teacher. Um, I spent 10 years working with children with autism. And then I worked at a low income district in Ohio as a, uh, working with emotionally disturbed and oppositional defiant children for six years. And now in Wisconsin, I work, um, I was a sixth grade uh, special education teacher, and next year I'm going to move to the elementary level because I like that. Why do I say all that? That's because I tell people when they ask, like, I, I want to see, you know, I want to give my kid a chance to try baseball. And specifically, a lot of times back when I was working with children who had, uh, with parents who had children on the autism spectrum, minor league games the greatest place it is not as loud it's not as big it's not as scary there's not as many people and if you have to cut out early you don't feel bad because it's not as expensive it's a great way to help grow your sport and even with just small children in general um, a friend of mine took his niece and nephew to their first baseball game at a, a rubber ducks game and they went to an afternoon game in the summer the kids wanted to leave after three innings and it was great. They got their first experience, and no one was out a ton of money. And minor league baseball is so, so valuable. I hate what they're doing to it. And it's made it very hard. I haven't wanted to do as much baseball-related stuff outside of this podcast because of that. It's really helped. It's shading my view of baseball. And I know I'm not alone in that. And that's why uh, it's just all so ugly. And I wish baseball would release its books and we could see what's going on. Um, it's hard to... <laughs> feel good about millionaires fighting billionaires but right now the ones really losing out are the ones who aren't either um and it's like i said it's just it's unfortunate and 
the fact that there are owners who are like, no, nah, let's not bother having a season. And I'm very curious that to see like the draft this year, it's only five rounds, but I feel like some teams might end up passing. Like that's crazy talk. I know, but there are owners who don't even want this draft to happen. Like they don't want it to occur. They don't want any extra money, even though it's $20,000 to sign a player and the like. And, um, Specifically, you know, the Indians have agreed to go to June in payment uh, for their players, which is good. That's, you know, the the two teams that stand out are the Reds, who are like, we're going to go to September 7th, which is when the season would end. I mean, massive kudos to them. No one has gone longer. And the Kansas City Royals. And the reason I want to specifically shout out the Royals is that ties to the Indians. The Royals are now owned by John Sherman, who was the Indians' former minority owner. Now, if you recall, I talked about the fact that Sherman had to get rid of his shares to be able to buy a team, and that hurt some of the Indians' liquidity. That's why they had been likely a big part of the reason why the the overall salary structure had gone down and why they were not uh, they were looking to cut money here and there. Uh, so Sherman buys a team. That's a huge investment. He doesn't get to make a profit last year. I mean, he is in the hole already in terms of baseball. Yes, he bought something that is only going to increase in value, and he's a very rich man. But there is no owner that has a out there who has a better reason to want to save money, to not play players. And instead, uh, he promised no cuts, and every minor league player would get their $400 through the end of August, which is the end of the minor league season. And while it's great that Cincinnati went even longer, I think that's fair. And what stands out even more is that they're not cutting guys. They're not finding ways to save a little bit of extra money. Uh, on the other end of things, you have, you know, the athletics who are cutting, stopping their payment at the end of May, the only team that said that. The Phillies who aren't going to do the full amount either in June, which again, looks ugly. And then the Washington Nationals with all the money they made last year and being worth uh, $5.3 billion, said they're kind of going to cut it from 400 to 300 next month. Um, which again, it just doesn't look good. And it, it's everything the owners do constantly make me uh, a little bit more uh, player friendly and a little bit less of a fan of baseball in general. I mean, I did the math and I think like on the high end of things, paying all of your minor leaguers costs something like 400000 a month, which is a lot. Um, don't get me wrong. But again, this is a sport that had a $10 billion profit last year. I know just paying the minor leagues and everything, it does add up. But uh, to take your money away from the poorest is also just, it's an ugly look. I mean, there's no other way around it. And that's that's how they're going about doing it right now is they're taking their money from the poorest groups. So uh, big kudos to the teams that, you know, the the Rays have an owner who had every reason not to, and he is paying everyone, the Mariners, the Reds, the Padres, these organizations that look good, and there's value in this. Um, You know, I talked about the three organizations who uh, should get, like, scarlet badges. uh, No, scarlet letters. Let's let's get it right. Scarlet letters for how they're treating people. But uh, there's also the the athletics, the Angels, who cut their staff, uh, you know, furloughed a bunch of scouts uh, before the uh, before the draft even happens. It's like, oh, hey, thanks for the work you did. We're not going to pay you through the draft, which is your big event. You're done. Go home. And this has a massive effect. One, uh, if you are a scout who's out there, here's your chance. You can go somewhere else. Uh, if a team comes and offers you something, uh, where are you going to go? If you are a really good person in the front office that uh, teams might want to hire, like when the uh, when the pitching coach, who I'm blanking on his name right now, was signed by the Yankees away from the Indians, people are paying attention. They know who's taking care of their staff and who isn't. And while you know Oakland can talk about family all they want, they're not treating anybody. They're not treating their players or staff like family right now. 
And that is out there and people know it. You're not going to, this is going to have effects on hiring cycles and who's willing to work for you. That's A. B is if you are a free agent, this is a short draft, five rounds. There's going to be a ton of talented players available. It's part of the reason I think we're seeing some cuts now, um, not just because they're going to release, release the overall depth of the minors. That is part of it. Don't get me wrong. But I think it's also teams know they're going to be able to sign a ton of guys at 20,000 max because there's going to be players who need that money. There's going to be people who like are just going to take that. You know, not everyone is in a life situation where they can turn down $20,000, even though uh, that is significantly less than they should get or even would have got in most years. So if you're going to sign a, a contract and you are a minor league free agent in a draft that is going to have a huge free agent pool after the fact, why would anyone sign with Oakland? You're not going to get any extra money. You're going to get that $20,000. you are not getting weekly pay. No one's going to sign with them. They are at the bottom of the barrel right now in terms of being able to sign these free agents and what is going to be a huge free agent pool of undrafted players. Uh, the same thing for the Red, you know, the same thing for the Phillies, I should say. And the opposite end is like the Reds, where, I mean, if the Reds are offering you uh, twenty thousand and the Athletics are offering you twenty thousand, well, the Reds also comes with four hundred dollars a week through September seventh. So that is significantly more than what you're going to get if you sign with Oakland. So, the deepest draft pool of undrafted free agents that have ever existed. And there are teams right now who are putting on Front Street what it's going to be like, and those teams are going to have a significant advantage in signing players because it's not just 20000 versus 20000 It's 20000 plus I can get paychecks for how long? I'm going to get 400 a week for how long? Uh, the Indians, you know, it's great that they've agreed to go to the end of June, but if they'd come out already and said till the end of August, that would put them in a situation where they can compete with these other organizations. Right now, the Indians... No player that the Indians offer 20000 to is going to sign with them if Oakland, Kansas City, Seattle, or Cincinnati has offered them that same deal. Because the agents will tell them you can get more just by going here because that's guaranteed money and the Indians haven't offered guaranteed money. This is going to have an effect. And I'll just keep reiterating, five-round draft, normally 40 rounds. There are going to be players who need that 20000 and are going to sign. And there are going to be teams that get talent rich in this time. And a team like Cincinnati is going to get very talent-rich because they have set themselves up as a place to go where you will make the most money. And that is incredible value for the Reds, and it is great long-term thinking, and it's a very smart move by that organization. A smart move is to visit our sponsor, Built Bar, and make an order. They are the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. What's nice about Built Bar is they are low in calories, low in sugars, but high in protein and high in fiber, which often gets overlooked in terms of your digestive health. So go over to Built Bar, use that promo code Locked On. You're going to get a fantastic product at 10% off. Again, I am already into my third order of them. I have tried, uh, I have had two sampler packs and I have done uh, multiple other ones. I will let you guys know how these new flavors are. I think Sunday night is the last night of their special deal that's going on right now, but they're always updating their flavors. They are always doing new fun things. There's a lot of things to try out. So go over to BuiltBar.com, use that promo code locked on, try it today. Again, it is my favorite sponsor because I just think it's a great product. I am a buyer and user of Built Bar. I think it is a great way to begin every morning. Uh, try it out and let me know what you think. BuiltBar.com, use that promo code locked on. 
So I have one more thing to talk about in the general scheme before we jump back into kind of the Indian-specific stuff, talking about some of the players they let go. If we run long, we might continue this into tomorrow's podcast. But uh, the idea, I want to give credit here to Zal Zenner, who reached out to me uh, through Facebook to point out that I want to see what the 50-man would look like with a taxi squad. And that's a good point because we've talked about the fact that you know, originally we we're going to have 26 roster, 26 man rosters, but that it's going to now expand to 30 with a 20 man taxi squad, which are players who could be moved up quickly, you know, might be there playing, you know, we might have like taxi squad games just to keep guys fresh where it's almost like a minors near the major league team. Uh, that's just me thinking on my own, but we'll have to see. But it, it brings an interesting challenge because we have 40 man rosters which you're not allowed to be on the team unless you're on the 40-man. So unless they're going to expand the 40-man to 50-man, which would then just become a disaster unless you keep it at a 50-man, and I don't know how players would feel about that. Uh, The upside is once you're on there, there's more money to be made, so maybe players would be okay with that, but then it also makes it so players can't get to minor league free agency as quickly. Uh, I don't know. It would be an odd thing no matter what. Maybe just for a year, they're not going to even... But when, it, it's going to cause a disaster no matter what. I can sit here and debate with myself the back and forth of it for a while. But uh, the 50 players would be likely to make it. We could go through you know, who's peer, who's cut, who's still part of the team. But it's going to be something to consider and look into. It's a very good point by him that, uh, yeah, there's going to be a lot of guys on roster. There's going to be a lot of weird rostering stuff and the 40 man is going to kind of be different forever so let's get into some of the cuts the indians let 11 players go uh recently and it's not unsurprising when you look a lot of these are names we talked about because they were guys who were added by the indians um later on in the season or uh minor moves in the off season and the like and you know i've talked about many times once you make the majors you have a higher pay rate and some of these are guys who've had cups of coffee in the majors they're not guys the indians themselves drafted or developed they were depth guys and when you know that you are going to be uh, cutting minor league teams you don't need the depth guys anymore and i feel like part of that is why some of these players were let go so let's just start diving into names let's start with the big one that's mike pappy the former first round pick uh number 38th overall a comp b pick and what has turned into a very poor 2014 draft. Um, Poppy, I, I will be honest, at the time I thought he was uh, very close to Michael Conforto in value. That has not worked out. Uh, he doesn't use his lower half well, talking with people. He's just a very stiff player. Uh, looking at the numbers, you know, it's the guy who hit uh, 381 and 307 walked 45 times to 25 strikeouts and 61 times to 46 strikeouts never a huge power guy and that kind of became the problem is he never really hit for power in the minors and the batting average just plummet plummeted uh, his minor leagues batting average was 235 like he could not hit at all once he left virginia and i've talked about virginia's issues with development and players just not seeming to succeed once they get to the big leagues and they have very distinct things they want their hitters and pitchers to do and they change them to do that and then those guys don't uh, seem to be able to change back and be productive. Like Daniel Lynch, who the Royals drafted a few years ago, kind of said, I'm not changing. Deal with it. And that's why he's one of the better prospects they've had in recent years is because he didn't uh, didn't do the change, didn't go with the approach. It just never came together. Pappy was, uh, you know, he got a chance every year. He played in 100 games in multiple seasons, but he was never productive, uh, basically from the drop. You know, the minute he entered the minors, he didn't play well. He didn't hit well. I loved it as a pick at the time. 
but you go back to 2014 and if we just look at that Indians draft that year you know they were hailed at the time as geniuses for their draft in 2014 uh, by many people myself included Uh, Bradley Zimmer has been unable to stay healthy Uh, Justice Sheffield was a big part of their trade for uh, Andrew Miller but he has not really been able to trans you know as a guy who has had a lot of hype he's never really turned into a major league player 11 games in for his career at this point in time second round pick grant hawken got hurt uh related to uh harman killebrew the uh outfielder for the uh the twins got hurt got a case of the yips and i don't know if he's been released yet but i'm assuming he will at some point in time uh bobby bradley we've talked about his success sam hentges it hasn't really uh worked out for him over the past few years julian merriweather is a guy i was very high on we'll see what happens he uh he's who they traded for josh donaldson greg allen uh has arguably turned into the best player in that deal he's appeared in 205 games which is more than everyone else combined and then the rest of those players in the seventh round simeon lucas who has been let go micah menard in the eighth round who has been let go and alex pantejo in the ninth round who was let go in this set of cuts and we'll talk about in a second in terms of uh, second round players, day or I should say day two, day three players, uh, David Spear, who was also uh, he was a left-handed pitcher out of Columbia, he was also let go in this round of cuts. So they kind of cut off a lot of the guys from this class. Uh, just interesting names still left from this class with the Indians, or just interesting names in general. Uh, J.P. Fireisen is now with the Brewers. Was another part in that deal for. Andrew Miller and Cam Hill is just a name to keep your mind, or a name to keep in mind, along with Jared Robinson, who are both day three picks, who could pitch for the Indians if we have a season this year, especially with that extended taxi squad. But Pappy was, uh, you know, he, he got 1.3 million, 1.2 million. He got a lot of money, and it just it never came together. Uh, Alex Pantejo was viewed as a player who'd go in the fourth to fifth round range. And the Indians getting him at the ninth round was viewed as this steal. He was known for his defensive tools, but by last year when he was playing in Akron, he was playing first base a lot. Uh, never hit well. Defense wasn't quite as good as advertised. Uh, it, it's kind of surprising in some respects that he was able to stick around as long as he did. So there just wasn't a whole lot there. He was basically a utility guy, and you don't need as many utility types anymore. So Pantejo was let go. And the last member of that class, David Spear, he was dominant in college, and he was this left-handed reliever, and the numbers in the minors weren't bad for him. Uh, the stuff just wasn't good enough, and we got up to the upper minors. Like, he, when did he first, he hit 2016? Yeah, 2016 is when he first got up to double and triple A, and the walk rate was, you know, a little over two, and the strikeout rate a little over eight, and the numbers were there for potential but he just, when he got promoted to, to Columbus, he was okay in limited opportunities, but not great. And some numbers spiked there. And he was pretty much just stuck as a, a depth arm in Akron. Maybe there's a team out there, like we've seen with Cole uh, Solser, who they traded away a year ago and has now bumped few, through a few teams that will like Spear enough to give him another try. But that's the end of the line for him. Uh, at least he had produced well in the minors which you could say the other two players from that class had not uh the sad one to me is uh is gunner legler we talked about him in the podcast in january when the indians signed him here's a kid who was a 26th round draft pick of the marlins 
goes back for a senior year of school, pitches well at Louisiana Lafayette, Raging Cajuns, and goes undrafted. Uh, the Indians sign him in January. They get a chance to see what he can do, except for they never get a chance to see what he can do. This, uh, what happens in the world happens. He never gets to pitch. I don't even know if he ever got paid uh, outside of whatever signing bonus he maybe got then and is already out and no opportunity. Uh, went from He was going to have an opportunity to show himself and what he could do to no opportunity at all, which to me is the, the saddest of those. Just kind of going through the rest, Ty Boyles, uh, left-handed pitcher, who I'm just trying to think. I don't think he – no, he's not pitched in the majors yet. He was another one of those guys who was kind of a late add. I was trying to find out exactly when the Indians added him. But he's another one they added, I believe, in the offseason. He is out. I'm just double-checking. Yeah, he did not pitch for the Indians at all last year. Um, Wes uh, Helzebeck did not pitch for the Indians at all last year. was a, a guy who pitched for the Dodgers. Uh, again, not one of their guys. One of their guys, and they let him him go. Uh, Jean Pel- Pelufo. We talked about him when the Rule Five draft happened. He was one of the guys the Indians took in the minor league section of that draft. Uh, pitcher we thought they might like, but he has been let go. Uh, Brendan Meyer was an undrafted free agent out of Trinity University in San Antonio. Uh, depth guy who, at age 23 and 24, was pitching in a ball. The numbers weren't bad. The numbers weren't great. They just were. But he was a six foot five lefty who was okay. But uh, again, they're just kind of moving depth off the roster. Jason Rodriguez was a catcher who the most games he had ever appeared in was thirty five, and he had been a backup for the Indians uh, in the lower minors. And again, if you're cutting a lower minors team, you need one less backup catcher in the lower minors. And the last guy in the group, Felix Tati. Uh, another one of those guys who you know was hadn't got out of a ball and the performance in a ball hadn't been there the walk rate had been a little bit high but not bad and the strikeout rate had been up and down the interesting thing was in Lynchburg this year he actually had his best uh, strikeouts per nine during his time in the minors Uh, he was also a bit home run prone but this is a player who you know, is 23 years old and, and the Indians don't need as many arms because there's going to be one less minor league team. And that's kind of what happened. A lot of these guys just got caught in the numbers game of it all. You know, if you end up eliminating more than likely Mahoning Valley is the team that would end up um, going away since the short season leagues in general are kind of talked about as disappearing. You have to move all of those players. Uh, you have all the ones who are going to be in Arizona that you might have moved up. You're going to have guys you draft. And this year, yes, it's a small class, but uh, the college guys you can drop into low A, but the high school guys would go to Arizona. So there's going to be the shuffling and moving, and this is probably just the beginning of what is likely to be rounds of cuts. And after the draft, I can see another round of cuts based on how many players you actually are able to get from that undrafted free agent pool. So just some things to keep your mind and your eyes on. Uh, We don't know what's going to happen. All we know at this point is the draft. It is. It should have been a huge draft for the Indians. I'm really scared to some degree uh, with all the money issues the Indians have had over the years and all the focus on this idea of cutting salary and you know losing a minority investor who had a significant minority investment in the team, that they're going to be a team that plays it really cheap in the draft, uh, which would be just a shame because they need the draft to survive. And we've heard of like some organizations where the management is not agreeing with the ownership and how things are going to be handled, where some didn't want to draft at all. And I feel like that is likely the Indians who have an ownership situation that is 
not uh, not look good over the past few years and a front office who's very smart with the draft and who spends every dime they can short of sacrificing a pick and in a year where they're going to have you know two picks in the top 37 uh, that that's a year you need to nail and, and in a draft that is was still is incredibly incredibly deep there are going to be guys going in the third and fourth round that have second round grades uh, and I say that sometimes but like this the starting pitching class from the college ranks is the greatest I've ever seen in my entire time so it's an important draft we still have that to look forward to on June 10th but uh, I do have some concerns with the Indians and all of that going forward. I do not have concerns with all of you out there. I thank you for listening, rating and reviewing, sending me comments and questions. I'm still waiting to hear about Daryl Whitmore, if anyone dug up anything more on that. Uh, we're going to look into the 50-man, what that could look like with the taxi squad. Uh, we won't even explore how the roster changes of it, but who are the 50 players who would likely be under consideration. We'll continue to talk draft. I have been Jeff Ellis. You have been awesome as always. And remember, go Tribe.